Hey jailbirds, welcome to Jailbird Chronicles. I'm Brittany and I'm a forensic social worker here to get chatty about criminal justice and some other related topics. And of course, I'll be giving you my perspective from the other side of the barbed wire. Let's get into it. Please be advised that sexual abuse and sexual assault will be discussed on this episode. So if that will bring up any adverse feelings or memories or triggering um, feelings or memories, please skip this episode. On January 27th, Project Nia held a webinar called What About the Rapists? An Abolitionist Frequently Asked Questions. So, of course, I was in attendance because I want to know from an abolitionist perspective what their thoughts are, what their perspective is on the criminal justice system, and what they think about how we should handle violent offenders such as what they call rapists or just people who commit sexual offenses, whether they be violent or not. So they were saying that it's not an information issue. It's tied to emotions and trauma. So Sexual assault is tied to emotions and trauma because people who act out sexual assaults usually have been traumatized at some point in their past. And this is why I think it's really important to have people from mental health on your team because we know the characteristics of someone who acts out these offenses We know the reasons behind that. We know that usually when someone is committing a sexual offense, such as rape, that they are dissociating during the act and gaining power and control over the trauma that they keep repeating in their mind over and over again while they're committing these violent assaults. Um, However, that does not make them any less dangerous or harmful to other people. But I think that um, criminal justice reform and how we respond to violent acts such as sexual assault is and be informed about what's causing these assaults so that you can then make an informed decision about how to respond to these. Um, um, I, I did agree with her that when someone brings up the question, okay, so you want to abolish um, jails. What about the rapists? What about the murderers? What about people who commit harmful, heinous crimes? And she said that it's an opportunity for collective brainstorming. I love that. Let's come together from different perspectives and talk about how we can respond to these crimes. Because sometimes people who commit these violent crimes do want to stop and do hate themselves for committing these crimes and can be rehabilitated because they have that remorse and that empathy and they want to stop. But as I've said in previous episodes, you have to want to stop. There are some people who to the day they die will think that what they're doing is the right thing, will think that if they had to go back and live their whole life, they would not do one thing 
different, including the harmful things that they did to other people, including taking away people's innocence, including taking away people's security, including violating others in the worst ways possible. She also said that you don't end violence with more violence. And this is where I think that a lot of abolitionists um, get confused. And I think um, a lot of people in general, because I was actually speaking to someone because I didn't want to assume that, um, you know, people who are advocating from organizations that have never entered jails or really been in jails for an extended amount of time past one or two hours on a tour, where are they getting their information from? And I was told it's really only comes from the incarcerated people who are willing to talk about it. So, and then you have the media who hypes things up and makes things more entertaining so that people will still tune in and watch and be involved. And you are assuming that when people go into jail, they will be met with violence. And the violence that happens between people in jails is incarcerated people against other incarcerated people. Like, I really promise you that there's not as many incidents as people think of correction officers purposefully trying to engage in physical altercations with incarcerated people. Because when you think about it, you might have one officer on the floor. You think that one officer is going to go up against someone who has 60 people behind their back? That doesn't make sense. And it doesn't happen as often as people want to believe that it. So saying don't end violence with more violence, um, that's not always the case. Um, she was saying that... Um, these are big feeling conversations, but we shouldn't internalize other people's responses. And from someone who's on the side of, I'm not even like really on a side. I mean, I don't agree with abolishing jails. I don't think we'll even ever see that happen um, with abolishing jails completely. Maybe we'll come to a day when jails aren't used as much, when we don't have that many people in jails, but completely abolishing them, um, I, I think that's, uh, I, I don't think that's going to happen. However, um, this actually was helpful to me because in a world where she even says, like, abolitionists, people who think of these extremes of how to reform and change or just get rid of the criminal justice system, um, not to internalize other people's responses. And I try to take people's responses just to gain that information and know, okay, that's how this person thinks. That's how people are thinking and not internalize them and think that I'm wrong from the opinions and the feelings that I have toward the criminal justice system based on my own experience spending five days a week, over eight hours a day in different jails for years. 
Um, she said that abolitionists do know what they're fighting for. They might not, they might not have a universal solution, but they have some answers. Throughout this whole thing, I didn't really find many answers in what she was saying. Um, it was really a lot of her going on rants and kind of yelling, um, which contradicts her saying not to be defensive about it. Um, but um, I agree that things can't be cookie cutter. We're dealing with individual people who are in a mass um, of people who are incarcerated or dealing with the criminal justice in some way, whether that be on parole, probation, court supervision, whatever it is. Um, but there may not be a universal solution, which I think is why jails will never be abolished because some people will be open to treatment. Some people with the proper supports can be successful in the community. And some people will hold their beliefs that it is right to kill people for whatever reason or for no reason, that it is right to violate others, that it is right to bring harm to others. And you won't be able to rehabilitate them. And I think that one thing that people have to understand is that as much as we want to help people, people have their own free will. So as much as we want to put people on the right track, it's their job to get on that track and stay on that track. And some people don't want to. And sometimes this is not going to be the lifetime when that person is going to get it right. So I even said this about a foster care child that I worked with. She was at a residential treatment facility and I really wanted her to get better. I saw potential in her, but me seeing potential in her did not weigh more to her than her ability to accept help and be open to help and become better and go in a different direction. And I always thought I would love for her to succeed and get better, but I don't think that this is going to be the lifetime that that happens for her. And um, I worked with her when she was 13 to 14 years old. And then she um, went from the residential treatment center to a juvenile detention facility and then to a residential treatment facility. And then she went off to group homes because she got older and was no longer at the age where she could stay in a residential treatment facility. And... Um, you know, after she was 14 and I stopped working with her, I just didn't hear anything from her um, or about her. And then when she was 19 years old, um, I was informed by a former colleague that she had been found shot in the head, dead in the street. And I always feared that that was going to end up being her life. Um, 
because we can want the best for people, but we can't control how them getting the best for themselves. Um, so I definitely think that there's no universal solution. Sometimes we have to just, sometimes people are just going to be on their path and they're not going to want to be rehabilitated. And in those situations, you need a place for them to go because they don't need to be wandering around society, um, free to victimize people, um, constantly. Um, so she talks about offering something better to victims, um, and that what people choose when they have one option does not predict what they will um, choose if they have many. So I don't know if she was talking about like if people only have the choice of pressing charges and then someone going to prison or going to jail, depending on the length of um, the sentence for their offense. Different options, just like she said, there's no universal solution. So there should be different options. Um, of things that will work for the person, whether they're open to rehabilitation or not. However, um, victims don't really have a say. Once they say that they want to press charges and they notify police and that process goes, the the victims don't have a say in how the sentencing is. Um, but overall, victims really only have control over themselves after um after a incident where they've been victimized in some way um and you know that's not to uh diminish or downplay what they're experiencing but what i mean by that is victims need to be able to have a space where they feel safe enough so that they can heal from their trauma so that we don't end up having more people who internalize their trauma and then act it out again onto other people and then we just have a string of people just victimizing other people whether it be through sexual assault or through murder or just physical assault or whatever the case may be. Um, she also said that police are in our minds as solutions and not as problems. Policing is not better than nothing. So um, this is, you know, where things started really going into um, cotton candy land. So she says this, and the thing is, is that in our minds, when something happens to us, no matter what race we are, as much as we want to criticize the police, we do rely on them to... Um, come and intervene in whatever issue we're having. When that doesn't happen, that's when we have situations of people taking things into their own hands and getting revenge on other people. Um, I don't think that police are solutions. I don't think that police are problems. I think that we have a lot of police with problematic behavior um, but 
at the end of the day, I think that we do need some type of police force who is going to enforce public safety. However, just like someone I was talking to about this issue, who's from an advocacy organization, had actually said to me is that police should be responding to black people. And in D.C., um, it, it's, it's, D.C. is not super diverse. Um, so being from New York, I'm going to add in Hispanic people, um, Asian people. But um, she said that peop- the, the police should be responding to black people the same way that they're responding to white people. True. Police should be responding to everyone the same way. And police should not be responding to victims in an aggressive manner and re-traumatizing them. I, I, I don't see police necessarily as a solution or as a problem. And I do think that having something in place is better than nothing. Because if you're saying take away the jails, take away police, and at one point in this... um In this webinar she even said that she doesn't want to hear what people have to say she doesn't care she doesn't need to hear what people have to say when um when they talk about what should we do in the meantime you want to take away jails you want to take away police What should we do in the meantime? What should we put in place in the meantime? She said, I don't need to hear that. I don't need to hear that. I don't need to talk to those people because my mindset is on getting rid of jails. Well, so someone must have bought her a trampoline because she sure loves to jump from A to Z in the alphabet because sweetheart, there is a whole alphabet that you have to go through before you could get to abolishing jails. You have to be able to speak to what are we going to do in the meantime. You have to know the system that you're trying to change. To me, when someone says, I don't want to hear that, I don't need to listen to this person. To me, that says that you want to say what you want to say. And you don't want to be educated or challenged. That looks like you know your argument is weak and you don't want to be challenged by someone else. It looks like you want to cast stones, then hide your hand and run away from the argument, run away from the challenge. And when you're making such big, bold statements, you have to have a conversation Because you don't even, from what you are saying, that you don't need to listen to anyone. You don't even know the system that you're trying to change. So she was also saying that less than 31% of sexual assault or sexual abuse survivors report to the cops. And she says that the current system is harmful for all sides. So what should we create and grow and build? She was saying that with less than 31% of sexual abuse survivors reporting to the cops, 
um, she said that what's the point of having jails because these people aren't going um, to jail anyway. It's not making anyone feel more safe to know that they could go to jail. And this is why I said at the beginning, you need someone for mental health on your team because you clearly don't understand. And this is probably um, because of your complete negligence to want to listen to anyone but um the reason why so little people report sexual abuse is because they're confused about what happened they're afraid of what will happen if they report it to someone and when i say someone i don't mean just police some people take that they have been sexually abused to their grave and never say anything. They're afraid that they're not going to be believed. They're afraid that they're going to be hurt. They're afraid that this person is going to hurt someone else because they've been threatened that if you say something, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. They're, they don't even know what happened to them. Imagine a little kid. Even imagine someone older, a full-blown adult getting sexually assaulted by a boss, by a client. They're confused about how to proceed. They're threatened by it. They've already been violated. Imagine being a little kid or a teenager and your uncle does something to you. In your mind, you internalize that. How are you going to tell someone? How are you going to tell your mom or your dad that their brother did something to you? This is someone who's loved by the family. People who commit sexual offenses are groomers. They don't only groom their victim. They groom all the people surrounding their victim to make them think that that's a safe person to be around their victim. If everyone loves the perpetrator, how is the victim going to step forward and tell people this beloved person hurt me? That's why so little people report sexual assault. It's not because of the police. It's not only because of the police. That's where we say that some police officers have problematic behavior. Sometimes they can be harsh on the victim when they're questioning. Also, the judicial process outside of criminal justice can be re-traumatizing because the victim has to constantly relive what happened to them over and over and then sit there and talk about it in front of a bunch of strangers trying to prove that this happened and then be attacked by defense that's even more emotionally traumatizing and that has nothing to do with police but it has everything to do with the victim She also said that we are taught from when we're babies that justice is punishment and sending someone to jail. That we think 
that punishing someone and putting them in jail, which is a harmful place, is justice. Sweetheart, if I'm happy that someone goes to jail, it's not because I'm saying, yeah, I want them to go to jail. I want them, I hope that they get treated so bad in jail. I'm not thinking about that person. I don't care. I want them off the street. I want them to be off the street so that they cannot victimize another person. This has nothing to do with the quote unquote rapist. This has everything to do with the victim and the people that they can continue to victimize if they're allowed to be enabled and be in the community to continue to victimize other people. You don't want to listen to anyone about what we're going to do in the meantime until jails are abolished. You don't want to think about that. Of course you don't. That would ruin your whole narrative. I mean, when Gregory McMichael, Travis McMichael, and William Bryan were all convicted in the murder of Ahmaud Arbery, were you sitting there saying, that's not justice. They should not go to prison. That is not the way to go. We shouldn't even have prison. They should not receive that consequence. She said that prisons are deep-rooted in sexual violence. Sexual violence does occur in prison, just like it occurs in society. Otherwise, we wouldn't be having this talk. What about the rapists? Um, The prison system and the criminal justice system as a whole is deep-rooted in racism. And And I actually want to talk about sexual assault in prison because so many people say... Oh, everyone on Rikers Island gets raped. Everyone here, they go to jail and they get raped. And rape isn't like happening around every corner in jails. I, I just, you know, want to tell you that. I'm wondering, um, because I know of you know, while I was working in jail, I know of people who exploited themselves. I know of people who um, engaged in consensual sex while in jail. However, I am wondering if when people make these statements about everyone getting raped in jail, if they are looking at PREA reports. PREA is Prison Rape Elimination Act. And technically, if an incarcerated person engages in um, in any type of sex, even if in their mind it is consensual, incarcerated people legally cannot consent to sex. So if it is found out that an incarcerated person did engage in any type of sex with another incarcerated person um, or even an officer... And incarcerated, incarcerated people can't consent. So that gets reported as PREA, Prison Rape Elimination Act. So then that looks like that's the amount of rapes that's happening when you, you, you get the report and you get the statistics, but you don't get what actually happened. And I'm not trying to downplay or say that sexual assault doesn't happen 
in jails and prisons, but I'm just saying like put that in perspective and be mindful. And how do we ensure safety? How are you currently keeping safe? And she was saying you need to bring people to the present, but she's saying you need to bring people to the present, but um, my darling, you just said that your mindset is on abolishing jails and you don't need to know anything in between. So what are you talking about? And um, she said, how do prisons um, figure into your safety? Are you calling the cops regularly? Have people who harmed you been incarcerated? Um, I don't call the cops regularly, but people do call the police when an offense has been um, committed against them at any level, whether it's violent or nonviolent, or if there's some type of dispute. And um, people who have harmed other people have been incarcerated. But um, clearly, because the argument is that so many people are getting incarcerated, clearly people are calling the police and find that policing and sending people, having people sent to jail by pressing charges against them um, does make them feel safe. When she was talking about um, policing, um, she had another woman, I can't think of her name, I didn't write it down, um, recite a poem. Um, beautiful poem. However, in the context of this webinar, the poem talked about how, um, instead of, um, instead of police, we have mothers and grandmothers responding to crimes. And instead of, you know, the police pulling up and arresting you, you, a grandma or a mother will pull up and she'll have lemonade for you and she'll give you a hug. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, wow, we're really in cotton candy land. I'm sorry I can't join you, but I'm a realist and sugar upsets my stomach. So, um, are you saying that if someone rapes a child, they should be met with a grandmother who gives them a hug and lemonade? Meanwhile, the child is over there hurt and confused about what just happened to them? Sorry, I needed a moment for that one. With that poem and also with a lot of what's being said is that a lot of this advocacy and want to abolish um, jails is based on the disproportionate percentage of black people in jails in comparison to the percentage to black people in society. That is 100% true. There are way more black people in jails than there are white people. And if you're in New York or a diverse place like New York, New York City to be exact, there is mostly black and Hispanic people in jails and very few um, white people and Asian people and people of any other races. However, one thing I do want to say about um, D.C. is that although the D.C. jail is filled 
with black people. Like before the Capitol rioters were held in the jail in DC, I barely saw any black people, uh, any white people, sorry. Um, I barely see any Hispanic people, that, but that's just because of the lack of diversity in DC. And um, I do want to note though, that that with the amount of black people in jails in DC, in comparison to the amount of black people who live in DC, when people look at those statistics and say, oh, there's only 45% of people in DC are black, but 90% of people in the DC jail are black. I do just want to say that people in the DC jail are not all from DC. Some of them are from Maryland and some of them are from Virginia. And when they leave the DC jail and get released, they will go back to Maryland and Virginia. So they never even factor into the census of um, the percentages of populate of um, different races that are populating DC. So I do want to bring that into perspective because that's something that doesn't really get talked about. Um, but when talking about and which this woman said she's focusing on the criminalization of black people. Um, my question is, so should prisons remain for other races? You really can't pick and choose because when you make general statements about um, jails should be abolished, everyone should be released from jail immediately. When you make statements like that, you're talking about the Capitol rioters. You're talking about white people who commit offenses should be released from jail or shouldn't have to go to prison or jails. So I don't know if you're being mindful about that. Um when you say those things, because the people that you don't like or appreciate will also benefit from this. So I don't know if when you're talking about focusing on criminalization of black people and abolishing jails, you're abolishing jails for everyone. If you're talking about criminalization of black people, then you should be focusing on what legislation targets black people who will carry weapons for safety because they're in bad neighborhoods, who will get caught stealing, who will be caught with drugs. That's what we're attacking. I, d I don't think that when you're talking about the criminalization of black people that you should be saying that jail should be completely abolished and we're talking about rapists murderers like i'm i'm good with not having ted bundy number two three four five and six out on the street like i'm cool with that regardless of what the person's race is like i'm really okay with a rapist slash murderer not being on the street and being locked up somewhere. And that's not even like, I'm not even thinking about what's happening or behind bars or what I, or I'm saying, oh, I want them to be punished. I want that. No, I want them off the street. I want them away from children. I want them away from other people that they could harm. I want them away from me. She said that there are evidence-based pr um, programs to prevent sexual violence that are making a difference. And she was saying, like, what will protect people from the offender? Uh, jail. 
Yeah, yeah, somewhere that they can go away. Because if you're saying that someone who wants this person away from them because they've harmed them has to continue to see them on the street, like, how is that beneficial for the victim? She talked about a hotline in New Zealand for offenders to call when they want to harm. Um, that's hotlines like that. I have heard of that before. That is good for the people, like I discussed before, who are open to change and rehabilitation and who um, realize their actions to be harmful. If you're dealing with someone who doesn't have any empathy because they've developed a personality disorder, which makes them feel entitled to do things um, to other people, they're not calling anyone. They're just going to do what they want to do. Um, and those are the people that need to not be in society and being in some place that's rehabilitative isn't going to help them if they are not open to the rehabilitation. She was saying that abolitionists are the mainstream. Unfortunately, I don't know if you guys are the mainstream. I know that you guys are really, really loud. You guys are really loud about a system that you don't fully know about and you just said yourself aren't even interested in knowing about because you don't need to hear it. You're not interested in hearing anything other than abolish jails. You've cut that all out and you're being loud because where did you get your information from? Do you have credible sources? Have you been in jails? She was saying that people who say that we need prisons in the meantime, she said, well, we have prisons and has sexual assault ended? No, it hasn't ended. Just like you said, it's underreported for the reasons that I already explained. But there is a place that people can go to when it is reported that they've committed a sexual assault where they could be away from society people like that need to be away from society regardless of where they go regardless of whether they go to a psychiatric hospital regardless of if they go to a treatment center regardless of if they go to jail they don't need to be on the street continuing to victimize people um someone asked why reform is not good enough? Why abolition? Um, she then stated that um, she did a webinar on that and you can buy the recording for the bargain price of $100. Thank you for your answer. That helps no one. Um, but then she goes on to say prison was a reform effort and continued to be reformed. So she doesn't need to reform it. It just needs to be gone. So she was saying that we don't make big policy changes from feelings. Um, we make change based on what could work for all of us. Yet you're yelling the whole time, saying it's not cookie cutter, and you're getting defensive and saying you don't need to listen to anyone who might have a different viewpoint than you. What type of change are you going to make that's beneficial for, for anyone if you don't want to learn something? I mean, not to toot my own horn, but I don't 
necessarily believe in abolition of jails and prisons, but I wanted to go on this webinar so I could understand your perspective. Why would you cut other people out that will give you an opportunity to learn? That makes no sense. She also said something that really I found disturbing. She said, um, we want to see someone who harmed us in jail because they're not our friend anymore. So you're talking about someone who was victimized by someone close to them and you are discrediting their trauma by saying, oh, because they're not our friend anymore? What? This is why, like, people really need to listen to others and need to think about things. If you're going to be dealing with the whole system and trying to make changes in it, you need to understand what's happening with these people. You need to be people-centered. You need to understand their needs and their traumas. You have to be empathetic. And you're not. That is really what I got from that whole um, webinar. I really wanted to be more hopeful about it. Um, I, I didn't think that I was going to agree with everything that she said, but I really did want to learn. And I didn't, I'm disappointed that there wasn't a lot that I was able to learn. Um, I was disappointed that there was lack of empathy for the victim I was disappointed that um, there's kind of like a thought process that um, violent behavior should be enabled. That's all I have for you today, Jailbirds. But no worries. New episodes are available on Spotify and Anchor every Thursday morning, just in time for your morning commute. And you can always get chatty with me on Instagram and TikTok at Jailbird Chronicles and on Twitter at Jailbird Cron. Be safe, jailbirds.